you have to like them and I think you have to respect them and you have to know that they bring something to the table that you do not. The best piece of advice I ever had was surround yourself with people who are better than you are. Hello, my name is Shirley Kavna, and you're very welcome to episode two of the Leadership Discoveries podcast. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce Anne-Claire Wadsworth, leader and co-founder of Amica Scientific. And that's a strategic medical and patient engagement agency, which is headquartered in the UK, but serves a global market. Anne-Claire, I have to say, connecting with you was one of my highlights for last year. And I'm delighted that you're here today and you're very welcome to this podcast. Thank you, Shirley. It's fantastic to be here. And Claire, you have very deep expertise in the medical communications industry, and you're well known for your strategic leadership, your focus on the client, delivering real patient outcomes. But after 20 years in well-known organizations, you took the leap and founded Amica. And I have to say, I love how you um, describe the organization, because one of the phrases I saw was that it's grounded in the power of friendship, purpose, and collaboration. I love that, I have to say. Now, can you tell the listeners, what was the motivation? What did you want to do differently? Thanks, Shirley. And I think it's a question, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about because it's no small feat to decide to move out of the security that comes from working within a big agency, a big medical communications agency. And I've been very fortunate to work with two of the best. And through that time, I had an absolutely uh, fantastic experience learning all about medical communication. So I think it always makes me smile when I think about, you know, after 20 years, the description of very deep experience, which I have, but you always feel there's more to learn and know and understand. And, and you know, the people who come to medical communications as an industry are generally a fantastic breed. You know, there's very much a focus on science, obviously, and communication of science and understanding um, of how to really help our clients. I had been working within these you know, amazing organizations for over 20 years. And then there was a decision point, really, whether to continue to do that or to actually try something different and to take everything I'd learned uh, there and apply it in a different way. And that really was the driver for setting up uh, Amica Scientific. So we had a lot of conversations, myself and the people who eventually have, have joined Amica. So there's myself and my co-founder, Dawn Lobbin, who I worked with for a long time. And then we have Joe Coles as a partner and Chris Stratton as our CFO. So we all shared a vision really for bringing together a team that was not about driving profit for profit's sake, but really bringing together the very best people to do the best work for clients and, you know, and in that be successful. So my ultimate goal was to create an environment where I could have fun, work with people I knew well, because I know that's the most successful formula for uh, delivering fantastic work for clients. And that really was the driver. You talk about yourself, you know, coming together with like-minded people. Yeah. What are the ingredients for, for success? You know, how do you know 
when you're talking to somebody you say yeah the magic is going to happen here between us that you know i can work with this person in the context of that we're actually going to set up a company together you know what is it you are actually looking for what were you looking for so i think that's a really good question when it comes to who you would commit to right it's a relationship yeah and you know the idea of working with people that closely and to be that uh, entwined for a long period of time because our intention is to stay together you know for a good number of years you have to like them and I think you have to respect them and you have to know that they bring something to the table that you do not so the best piece of advice I ever had was surround yourself with people who are better than you are and I have always believed that by bringing together different people, different skill sets, you can do incredible things. And that's what I've seen over and over again. And anybody working in a great team will be able to uh, mm-hmm. you know, recognize that. So when I was looking for partners to do this with, they had to be different to myself, uh, but share the same values. I think they're also something that doesn't get talked about that often is charisma. So I think there's a really important, you know, that sort of X factor that you can't necessarily put your finger on. You can't necessarily put it in a job description. And I think that means different things to different people. So the people that I find have charisma or I connect with may be different to those that you do. But I think the folks I am working alongside now, I have always valued and respected them. And uh, Chris Stratton, I've known for over 25 years. Joe Collis, I've known for seven or eight. Dawn, I've known for 15. In each of them, I've had a very valuable relationship. And I find that they bring things to the table that I do not. And I find that we we have very interesting conversations that force me to think differently. And we can also have a laugh together. And I think that's another thing that isn't necessarily focused on because, you know, particularly when you're talking about a business, it has to be commercially uh, you know, viable. You have to have people who are sound, you know, sound acumen, who understand exactly what they're doing, who are best in class. You have to have all of those things. But you also need to be able to enjoy yourself when you're with them. So that, again, for Mika, I have found that we get the best out of people when we're having the best time. You paint a picture. You, you've obviously thought of the people. You've, they're people you like. The likability factor is obviously very important, but I'm just wondering, have you thought about how you may deal with conflict or if conflict has arises? You know, have you set any ground rules or are you confident in the sense that you as a group of people, you know, will will, will be aligned enough, if you know what I mean, to get over those period when there is conflict? Because there's conflict in every team, let's be honest, at some stage. There is. And it's a, it's a great point. And no, I don't think you can ever be complacent about that. And I think it's something you have to have front and centre, actually, all the time. And um, we, so we have talked about that very honestly and transparently, because previously there was a different power dynamic. So I was manager to an individual, somebody else was more senior to me, um, you know, and now we're in a peer relationship. So you have to be cognizant of the fact that those dynamics will potentially hang over and you have to be aware of them and and deal with them. Communication, that's an obvious one. You obviously have to talk about things, um, you know, and be clear about when you're not comfortable with something or you feel that it is moving in a direction or that 
even we're falling into old habits. So I think the communication is an obvious one. But I also think you have to take a step back and uh, almost consider your own responses and reactions to a situation. So I was fortunate enough to have a coach the last year as I was going through some of these decisions. And I actually think it's an incredibly valuable support um, and guide really as you navigate new situations, new challenges, and and obviously coaching is recognized to do that. But I think that particularly when you're looking to set up a new business, a new organization, a new team where you are bringing um, high quality folks together, actually there's a very important role to be played there. And I I do not underestimate the value that played in, in the success um, you know initiation of this team because it equips you to think about your own responses and your own reactions very often you know you're tempted to look at if somebody says something that you know doesn't feel comfortable or you know you find yourself uh, wanting to push back on someone you might consider it's their issue their problem their challenge very often it's your own and you can handle and manage any situation actually if you are able to sort of step back from it and have clear judgment about maybe what's motivating or driving you. So I think that when we have come together as a team, we are all able to be completely honest with each other and have been from the beginning about things like the power dynamic and, um, you know, how things will be different as we are in in a new type of relationship and obviously facing new challenges, but also being accountable personally for my responses and my perspectives on a situation that actually is very empowering and I don't Mm -hmm. think I'd appreciated how powerful the coaching aspect was going to be in order to actually help us as a collective. Very interesting and just in terms of people who I mean you're going to scale up obviously you're going to grow people who will be joining your team in the future what will you be looking for in them? What I'll be looking for when people are joining our team um, is the same thing, really, that 20 odd years of doing this have proven to me is the right formula for creating a strong team. Um, I think it's really important that people are curious, that they are not simply doing their job, that they are continually looking for different ways to do things, improving themselves, improving the way they may run their accounts, improving, uh, you know, their own understanding of the client but that continually pushing themselves so and you can see that when you just have a conversation with somebody they're bringing in you know points of views and perspectives that you may not have thought about before and I think that's incredibly valuable I think people who are very much about the team so that they are more concerned with how the team performs than themselves as individuals. Uh, Because I also think that's the best way for anybody to prove themselves, actually, is that they can be successful, you know, by putting other people forward, by elevating those around them. You can see that, that they actually should then be the leader, you know, Mm -hmm. in the future. People who like people, that's a really important factor because in what we do as professional services, we're working with clients all the time. You have to build and be able to create great relationships very quickly. And people who are also independent minded. So, you know, the ability to be within a team, but also think for themselves and people who want to do the best for, you know, their clients. And I think if you don't really feel passionate about that then that this is a very difficult industry to be in it's incredibly high pressured it's very highly regulated there's a huge amount of expectation and challenge 
and you have to feel a sense of purpose. You can't just do it for, um, you know, a paycheck or just to have a nine to five job. It's not that. It's much more than that. It's great. I mean, just, you know, when you're talking about that passion, that wanting to do it, that realizing it's going to be hard some days, you know, and I just have to get over that because this is something I really, really want to do. And, you know, Aunt Claire, when you're talking there, I'm reminded of a conversation that we had a little while back. And you were talking about when, you know, when you started off in healthcare comms, you weren't the expert. Actually, you, you know, you went in without that expertise, that mm -hmm. domain expertise as such. And I think that you were saying that, that that wasn't an impediment because when you have these other skills, these other transversal skills almost, that you can get over that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, and even in terms of maybe you recruiting people into your organization, you know, and it kind of ties in with just what you've been talking with there a little bit, but just tell us a little bit about that, what your view is on those skills. I joined medical communications by accident. And I think a lot of people uh, come across medcoms by accident because it's not a well-known industry, even though it's worth you know, a huge amount of money as a, a collective industry. I had been working in, I'd done a business degree, I'd been working in PR, account management in a PR company. Um, and I was sent by accident for a job interview at this company. It was uh, Gardner Caldwell Communications 24 years ago. And I remember coming out of the interview going, I don't understand what they do, but I have to have a job here. The passion that was demonstrated by the people uh, whom I met and the work that they were describing, actually working on medicines that were having a direct impact on patients. I just thought this was extraordinary. So I really had to find ways of demonstrating value very quickly. But actually, what you realize is that there are, particularly when you're going into any agency services, you have a client, you deliver services for them, you have experts you work alongside, and you, you know, do your best as you can to deliver those projects on time, on schedule to budget, and, you know, surpass client expectations. That doesn't really matter what you're doing if you're able to do that, because the actual skill set is around listening very carefully to what the client is looking for and the ability to engage all those other stakeholders that are part of your team, the ability to move things forward and to hit deadlines and to project manage. So the transferable skills are absolutely evident within an agency. You know, you do not need people who have been trained in medical communications to move in. You can, you can come from any type of agency and you'd be able to you know you'll have a learning curve of the actual stuff we do but you'd be able to do that so when I'm looking to hire you know over the last 20 years it's very much around talent uh, first you know you can train the job you can train um, you know the specifics of running an advisory board or running a symposium or a publication plan you can learn those things the bits that are innate, which is what really you look for, is the ability to engage, build relationships, think for yourself and be creative. So those, you know, that we talked about curiosity. Mm -hmm. So that's, again, you know, understanding why are we doing this? Is there a better way of doing it? Um, you know, that continual challenge, that looking to improve. So I think the actual what we do can be taught. Anybody can learn that. It's the way you do it that is so important. And that makes the difference. And I've always, you know, built very successful teams on mm -hmm. the back of bringing in people with the right attitude. And then you train them up 
that's fine. That's not hard to do. The more challenging thing is to create a team of people who all have the same level of passion and interest. But again, within our industry, we do tend to attract those types of people, people who really are not in it for themselves and, you know, um, just when can I get the next promotion? When can I move on? Mm -hmm. It happens in our industry. There's a lot of opportunity for people because it's so fast paced and fast moving. But people tend to want to do it for the right reasons. So it's been uh, I think we're able to build those kinds of teams that you can bring those types of people together fairly easily. And Claire, you're obviously creating a very dynamic team around you with specific skills. You've created a a particular leadership culture within your organisation as well. How does that translate to the client? What will the client see differently? Because I'm conscious there were people who could be listening to this podcast who are thinking of being one of your clients. You probably have people who are already experiencing you as as a provider. But how does it translate? What do they see that's different working with Amika? Our clients have access to senior experienced people who want to be involved and are actively looking to be part of the day-to-day delivery for the client. I think in a lot of larger organizations, necessarily senior people are often tied up with things like the resource planning, the forecasting, the operational issue management, firefighting. Within Amica, because of the way that we operate and we are selective about the projects that we take on, we are able to be hands-on. So it's a case of having the most senior people supporting directly. Um, We have an incredible network of consultants whom we work with who are all the similar values that we bring. So they're very proactive. They are able to think and operate on behalf of the client directly. Clients are going to get senior experienced people who are very invested in what they're doing and who are looking for a partnership with the client. So the partnership is the most important thing, I think, that when experienced enough to challenge and push back, to provide ideas in the moment in real time. The clients we are working with all reflect on the fact that they are being provided with people who are acting as though they're in their team. Hmm. already so it's not a vendor client relationship it's very much a partnership and a team relationship and we are able to offer that simply because of the way that we've structured the agency in that we have people available and ready at a senior level to work directly with clients and we don't have the overheads that necessarily other larger groups would have. So we're able to do that, you know, competitively. Often, I think we find ourselves, particularly when we're in larger organisations, that although we, you know, we we absolutely want to focus on the client, we try to focus on the client, but the reality is that we can actually become further away from the client within the organisation because we've got so many of those other things that you're actually talking about there that can be, that can yeah. distract us, quite frankly. That's necessary, right? And there's a, there's a, though, you know, again, I have been in two incredible organizations, large organizations, and learned an, a huge amount and valued that experience greatly. But there is no doubt that the more senior you become within a larger organization, for the most part, you are pulled into other things, even if you are, of course, mm. you know, maintaining that focus on the client and looking to engage, you are still 
operating, you know, a, a larger group. You are part of a, a larger growth imperative. So you have other pulls on your time. Within boutique agencies, which are led uh, by the, uh, the, the owners, such as our own, you have that hands-on uh, requirement and, and desire that we want to be part of the solutions that we're offering to clients day to day. And I think there's a huge amount of freedom in that mm. because as an owner, you can make your own choices and make your own decisions and you can decide what you will and won't invest your time in. And we have decided within Amica that our time is invested directly in the clients that we're working with and um, you know being hands-on with projects and pushing and challenging ourselves and our clients to do uh, you know the very best possible work and that is an amazing privilege I think what you see in agencies very often larger scale agencies you know is that great people um, are promoted uh, you know rightfully promoted and with those promotions come broader and wider remits and responsibilities, which is fantastic for developing people, um, you know, creating the leaders of the future. But to get back to my roots um, mm -hmm. and the work that I always loved doing, this was the right step. A lot of companies talk about partnership. You see it as a value. You see it, you know, in a lot of the, you know, the corporate material as such, but it actually can be very hard to achieve in a real sense this real sense of partnership and I'm struck by some of the things you're saying there you know about how the way you work um, and the way you selected your team and the way you selected yourselves as a leadership team that it allows you to to develop those deeper partnerships and to do it in a real way yeah and it's a choice we have choice within an independent agency actually and I think that can be more challenging within a larger agency although there is a, a an absolute role for those larger agencies, yeah. you know, and they're an incredible ground for developing talent and for learning, uh, you know, how to operate in a multidisciplinary environment, how to uh, navigate complex situations, thinking about things on a large scale. So I think that there is a, an absolute role for the larger network agencies. I think for my team we have all looked and having had those experiences actually reflected on the fact that the things that motivate and drive us um, and have always been the most enjoyable and you know created the, uh, you know us to be at our best is not necessarily within the corporate environments which you know we've all proven we can do but it is very much in getting into a team the team environment and working directly with clients to working directly with each other um, and that for me has been an incredible part of this last year is working with people on actual projects in a team as opposed to as a, in a senior level in a, as a senior person in an organization you tend to dip in and out of multiple projects you're overseeing things other people are doing yeah. the work you're providing contributions and guidance and support and mentoring and again all really really valuable things in order to help the organization as a whole grow and develop but from a personal perspective I wanted to work directly back in a team day-to-day -day delivering um, and having a choice about the kind of things we did and did not take on and that has been uh, fantastic and a key part of that has been the ability to partner 
again with clients directly. Sounds very liberating as well, I have to say, you know, when you find yourself in that position. Can I just Absolutely. turn it to um, technology and uh, our old friend artificial intelligence and any mm. of these advanced technologies? There's probably two questions I want to ask you if I'm being perfectly honest. One is in relation to how are you dealing with that? A challenge stroke opportunity within your own business. And the second part of my question um, is, is what do leaders need to know? What, what do they need to be in this world that's very different and being very challenged? So I, I know I, I probably shouldn't ask two questions together, but I'm very interested in your thoughts in relation to these. So maybe if we start off with that first one, which is around how do you see that playing out within your industry? Artificial intelligence, AI, has obviously been the continual background to every discussion, every conversation, you know, since November 22, when ChatGPT first hit the mainstream. I think it is something that I feel very fortunate, actually, that within the last year, I have had time to deep dive into it. That really has been a case of absorbing as much as I possibly can about AI itself. So how do large language models work? What are the possible uses? How are they trained? What are the ethical implications? And you cannot do that without reading around, following experts on LinkedIn. There are some incredible people to follow in educating yourself. So what I have seen is quite a lot of discussion around companies needing to educate their staff. Now, I think that is, is fair enough and that will obviously companies will start to do that once they decide on which platforms they're going to use and how they're going to you know, roll that out internally. But you cannot get away from the fact that this is something so central to everything that we will all do in the future that you have to educate yourself. And that's not tough to do if you pick just a couple of people to follow or a couple of newsletters to read or a couple of um, you know articles to review there is an inordinate amount out there there is far too much out there you know what I have learned is that the best way to do it is to pick two or three people who you mm -hmm. resonate with and, and to follow them so in terms of how that then has translated um, into what we're doing for our business, because we describe ourselves as AI native, because Amico has been born at the same time as AI and the AI explosion, is we start every single project with how could this be improved through AI? Now, there are certain things within pharmaceutical industry. It's a highly regulated. We have to be very cognizant of confidentiality. So clearly nothing client related can go into any system. And, and that, that is well understood. But there are many things we do. We design workshops. We create content, uh, marketing content for ourselves. There are multiple use cases that if you stop and just think about things as a series of tasks, how could this task be improved um, through that? So we invest in the paid for AI systems. That just gives us a level of security, but just a, an extra level of performance. But I think it's important as well to just keep trialing new systems, new approaches. And it takes work over and above, you know, the day to day work. But ultimately, it can definitely help save time overall. I 
don't believe it's going to help a lot of people save time in the very short term while you're learning, but you have to go through that process. It's like anything. You have to learn how to use a system and just understand. There are a lot of platforms out there that you can Canva, for example, for creating artwork and studio type projects that you can get out and, and start using that are quite a lot of fun. Obviously, ChatGPT and Claude and Bing and the other systems that are now Copilot, obviously being embedded within Microsoft. So there's a lot out there you can play and experiment with. So I think as long as everybody is doing that, that helps. I think another thing we can all do is just share use cases because it's it's one of those that you can't quite conceptualize how you're going to use it until you actually start using it. So it's just getting out there. And then once you've done that, sharing that with friends and colleagues, we are finding different ways of using it all the time. There's no single, single way. But I think once you're familiar with the systems and you're all approaching it, that's the most important thing. I'm struck as well by what you, what you started off with when you were talking about, I've actually taken it down, you were talking about self-sufficiency, that you know, as leaders, we need to become self-sufficient in our own learning because mm-hmm. I suppose the pace of which things are developing as well, we we need to stay up to date. We may not have the deep expertise, but we need to stay up to date. It, it's really our problem if we don't keep abreast of the, the conversations. and Yeah, 100%. And I heard somebody say something interesting recently, which was around the fact that within agencies, we, we, we push new ideas on clients all the time. It's part of what we do. Clients are looking to us for ideas, innovations, creativity, you know, and that's very much a culture within agencies is to think of doing things differently. It's, you know, from a competitive advantage point of view to uh, just a, a building and strengthening relationships with clients. So that has been seen in many different areas around digital strategy, patient engagement, um, et cetera. But agencies have been more cautious around AI. And I heard somebody say that this is an area where the pharmaceutical industry is pushing hard on AI. And you can see that, you know, major pharma companies are investing heavily in AI, but the uh, agencies are being more cautious because we are so aware of the complexities of compliance, et cetera. Um, So there is a level of cautious approach. So, I would say that as leaders within agencies, we have to get much more comfortable much more quickly so we can engage in the conversations with clients that they need and are expecting us to have. And I think the self-sufficiency is really important because the default is, you know, well, that's the IT team are going to tell us about AI. AI is not for the AI, for the IT team to determine. So certainly in terms of platforms and systems that may come on board and maybe rolled out enterprise wide, but they're not going to look at it from the strategic point of view and the value that it'll bring to the business overall, uh, you know, day-to-day and delivery in those use cases. So as leaders, we have to be really comfortable with what it is, how it works, how it operates, the kind of value that it can bring. And even if we don't have the opportunities, you know, for whatever reason within our specific agencies, looking outside and learning externally is really, really important. So I think that we have a duty of care to everybody we're working alongside to actually get out there and to be as up to speed as is possible as leaders within our business. So there is um, a huge opportunity to um, self-educate. There is no 
excuse, if you like, for not being up to speed because the information is there. Time is the enemy. So time is the, the real challenge. But there's so many other things that we have to keep up to speed with as well. But I think starting small, I think just getting out there, using it day to day, which many people are now, but there, there, there is a lot of value in those paid for systems where the, the quality and the delivery is, is, is better and just making time because it's business critical to understand. Yeah. You said something there, which is, is absolutely key. It is a strategic issue. And, you know, the, the point that you were talking about when you're thinking of um, solutions for clients, it's embedded in a solution. So it's not something that's sort of a, a you know, a second thought or anything like that. It's actually part of the solution. It's that strategic element. And and I think even just I'm reminded from what you're saying there is the need for leaders to see these advanced technologies are as much strategic issues as any of these other elements within their business. Yeah, 100 percent. So AI has so much potential that, to be clear, even the experts don't truly understand the full ramifications. Right. We are all entering this chaotic period where A lot of people are talking as though they are the experts. They do understand they have got this down pat. The reality is that it's changing all the time. You know, there will be these enterprise-wide systems that are coming through. So Copilot from Microsoft, for example, and other systems are available. But, you know, they, they, they are there. But that is not the same as understanding how to leverage them and to get the best out of them. The fact that they're there and you might throw in a few questions and get it to review a document and summarise it for you, that's just scratching the surface. It's really, you know, understanding how the teams can transfer information or safely and ethically transfer information and interrogate it in different ways and share it in different ways. That There are so many opportunities to explore it it isn't like it's all been figured out yet. AI has not been figured out yet to the point where somebody else over there is doing it right and you're doing it wrong. You know, it is a journey that everybody is going on at the moment. And it is a case of strapping yourself in for the ride, learning as much as you can day to day. So even if it's just once a week, you're watching a video, reading an article, trying it out and seeing, you know, seeing what's possible. It's really important because uh, things are moving so quickly. But I also think that people don't need to be afraid because we don't yet have those standards that are uh, important for everyone in the industry to use, right? That's not been agreed yet. So we are still in this process of learning and evolving. But for me personally, I have found that uh, following a couple of people, so Ethan Mollick online, Connor Grennan, you know, Matt Lewis, over at Anitio, there are people out there who are hosting, educating. And I think it is that phrase where a rising tide, you know, raises all boats, right? So that we are all can improve together. That's really important. I don't think this is at this stage yet, you know, a competitive advantage to learn something in AI and hold on to it yourself. It's about educating everybody. Um, and I think we'll all benefit from that. And Claire, that's probably a really a good place to end this conversation reluctantly, I have to say, because there's a whole lot of other questions I'd love to ask you. Um, but ending on that very optimistic note about um, 
AI and that roller coaster and that white knuckle ride that we're all on. Um, but again, we have the choice to actually stay on the roller coaster. And, uh, you know, this whole piece of self-education is so important. Thank you so much. Wide ranging uh, discussion, as I thought it would be, I have to say. Um, and thanks a lot for joining me here today, Anne Claire. My name is Shirley Kavanagh. Uh, you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, and I have no doubt that Anne Claire will be eager for you to connect with her also on LinkedIn. Anne Claire, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. Thanks so much, Shirley. Always a pleasure. And I want to thank you, our listeners, too. I suspect you've come from very different parts of the globe and from within different industries also. And I hope that you have found the discussion as insightful and as thought provoking as I did. By the way, if you'd like to contact me, you can do that on LinkedIn or on ShirleyKavanagh.com. To our listeners, I hope this has been as useful to you as it has been for me. 